4: Hey, this is Tony Harnell and you're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Rock is not dead. It's hiding and you found it. This is
2: Toby Wright and you're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. Rock is not dead. It's hiding and you just found it.
3: Hey, this is Jason Beeler and you're listening to the Cobras and Fire podcast. By the way, if you're playing with Cobras and fire, it's highly dangerous. And I don't suggest it. At least not at home. Rock is not dead. It's hiding and you have found it.
5: to the Cobras and Fire podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Empire. It's Rockin' Pod 3, baby, and you know I brought all my sisters with
6: me. I'm looking at you, Ian Wadley. We are family. i got all my Fire. My name is Baco and I am not joined by anybody. I am all alone and probably because Loose Cannon and I are not the brightest bulbs in the tree because if we were, we would have actually recorded these intros when we were together in Nashville. I'm talking about Rock and Pod 3. I'm also a little hoarse from the weekend. We did a lot of interviews and a lot of yelling and a lot of talking with people uh, over loud music. So I'm going to try to keep this brief. But what you're about to hear today is the first part of our rock and Pod coverage. Much like last year, part one is going to be all the interviews with the artists. Next week, part two will be focused on the podcast and the hosts that make these shows great. So today it starts off with Michael Sweet from Striper, of course. Uh, he, uh, pretty much a regular guest at this point. And another former guest on the show, Tony Hornell, follows that after that, we have a fabulous chat with Toby Wright about about records that he did that didn't involve KISS. And one of the funnest chats I've had in my entire life was the conversation with Jason Beeler from Saigon Cake. I guarantee you're going to love all these interviews, but that one is going to uh, probably make you laugh more than the other two. And it all ends with the icon, the big four guy, the fellow Minnesotan and coffee lover. Uh, I'm talking about Dave Elveson from Megadeth. So strap in because this is a long one, but there, it's it's worth it, and you, you're going to have a good time. I guarantee that. Before we get into it, though, there's a couple things I would like to mention. Is that like, and I, and I feel comfortable that that I can speak for Loose Cannon that we really appreciate. Everybody, you know, who, who came to the expo uh, and, and came up and talked to us, people that like over the years have like, you know, we've got to meet and and, uh, and get to know a little bit and people that chime in on the Cobras on fire page quite a bit. And so I want to take a second just to talk about some of those people that actually walked up and took, took the time to say hello. Look, we understand that not everybody can come to this thing, Uh, and and we also understand that if money were no object, a lot of you people would be there. And a lot of the people I'm going to be talking about are fans of so many other shows, of course. But I would like to take a second to at least acknowledge the time I spent with some of our listeners and how much I appreciated that. I'm talking about guys like, forgive me, it's really hard to talk right now. I'm going to apologize right now, though, because I guarantee I'm going to miss some people because there was just too many to remember. So please, uh, you feel free to message us, go on our Cobras and Fire group and, and post something if for some reason uh, you felt uh, slighted here because it wasn't intentional and you definitely deserve credit. It was just a joy to talk to all of you. Uh, I, one of the people that I'm going to mention first, I didn't even actually see there, Chris Fretwell. I, he he apparently was there because he commented on something. Uh, Chris, uh, I I love that the fact that you like to troll my personal page with a lot of political conspiracy crap. Uh, but but even more so, I like the fact that the, the times you chime in and, and and join the group and talk about the show uh, more than anything else. I met a guy through Rock and Metal Combat podcast. I believe he he came up to me after their their live performance. And I'm pretty sure if I if I understood him right, he heard about us through Rock and Metal Combat. And so, thank you, Ian and Ralph. Of course, you guys are my boys, and I, you know we appreciate all the love and respect you've given us. It, it, but but that aside, uh, this guy Nathan Lewis, uh, they call him TikTok. He, he we had a really fascinating conversation, and I really just. I mean, he basically melted my heart talking about like uh, the shows he'd been listening to. But he's he's just getting into it now. So welcome aboard, Nathan. I hope you stick around, David, Kathy. I am so happy that you're feeling good and and you're you're up walking around and healthy. Uh, I don't. I hopefully I'm not violating HIPAA laws here, but I know you had a bit of a health health scare, uh, some serious health issues anyway uh, with your back uh, somewhere during the, the last year. It really uh, melted the cockles of Baco to hear that uh, we were one of the shows that, that uh, help you bide time and and kind of get through all that. So uh, uh, good, to, good to find... Uh, I think we've met in the past, but we actually spent some time talking this year. Uh, Bill Elam, same thing. I know I saw you last year, but uh, you've kind of come on uh, as a really strong con- uh, contributor to the Cobras on Fire page. Thank you for that. It was lovely to meet you and your daughter. Uh Jay Zabluski, a fucking firecracker of a human being. I met him last year for the first time. As as like he just wanted to come up and say, "I listen to your show," oh! and then ran away. Uh, this guy is 900 years old and moves faster than uh, a, a, a kangaroo. Is that a, is our kangaroos fast? I'm going with it. Uh, David Glenn finally we met Uh, David came out and David for those of you that don't know David is a decibel geek writer just like myself and Luz so, 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 getting a chance to talk to him was uh, much appreciated. Sean Cullen, always a pleasure. You know, I love you, bro. Uh, I, I'm glad that we actually finally, at the very end, at like eleven o'clock at night to, to two in the morning, got to hang out and uh, and, and spend some time together because uh, I love you, brother. Andy Shaw, thank you for the ride to the airport. Thank you for being just one of the nicest people I know. Andy Shaw lives in the Twin Cities with me, and he is a perspective podcaster coming forward we'll see if that ever comes uh, to fruition kevin williams we met for the first time last year we spent much more time talking then than we did this year but i, I it was still good to, to catch up with you and see you but i thank you for the beer first of all but I, I wanted you to know that i did notice that you actually had two more vests so keep it up buddy and I'd be remiss if I didn't say thank you to anybody that took time to buy me a beer. I don't know how Loose Cannon did on that thing, but I had at least a half dozen people say, "Baco, can I buy you a beer?" Based on our Buy Us a Beer campaign. So, uh, thanks for all that. So that 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 was actually pretty impressive, just because it chimed into our show. With all that said, Rock and Pod Three was a huge success, and uh, just like uh, the, the prior year, uh, bigger and better, and kept going. And I want to thank Chris Sinzak for uh, including this and in all this stuff. Uh, it, it's too bad if you couldn't come uh, because you missed out on a great time. And we all had a blast. So, And, and, and Luz Cannon was actually there. So, unlike Pete from the I Live It Loudcast, people know my co host actually exists as a human being. But it was actually also never questioned. Anyway, with all that said. Thank you, everybody in the podcast community for embracing us. We have part two coming up next week, like I said earlier. And thank you, everybody, for who's listening even right now, even if you couldn't make it to Nashville. And thank you, Chris and Zach, not just for including Cobras and Fire in this event, but for all the help and all the positivity you've basically added to my life. I really appreciate that. But, yeah, it's a wonderful event, and you do a great job. So thank you there. And since we're talking about Decimal Geek, thank you, Aaron Camaro, for driving us around. People, Aaron Camaro drove me and Lou's Cannon around in a Camaro. How cool is that? <laughs> can have it man
7: i'm like i bet um, it'll, it'll yes. make me speak a little better okay Did you I'm grab ready? my phone okay excellent <laughs> it. It.
6: all right hey you know i know you do a lot of interviews but uh so i'm gonna help you out hopefully i can remind you that you've been on our show twice i uh, saw the
7: name and i'm like yes
6: okay uh you've been a uh, a very popular guest on our program really? so appreciate for coming back yeah you're very candid and frank and
7: i i am man. you, you I can take a joke a, I I don't want to go through life, you know, being anything other than honest. Yeah. And, you know, the the problem with that is you tick people off <laughs> when you're honest. But, you know what, do you want me to lie and give you something else? I, I don't want to leave this world knowing that I was dishonest. So I am very candid, and I just speak my mind. And I try to do it, you know, uh, with humility and, and to be, be nice and respectful about it, but yet... Just give my opinion in a, in a true way.
8: Right on. Uh, yeah, and uh, as I say, what do you think about this, this setup? I mean, from last night, you had a pretty good I backing think it's band. it's pretty darn awesome, man. It's command. very cool. I love it. And this is the third year? Third year. It's, it's, we really appreciate you being involved in it, too, because it's oh. all like just fans put together. I love it, yeah.
7: man. I love it. And it's really great, you know, because there aren't a lot of outlets like this. Not a lot of things going on that are, you know, on this level. Right. Doing it like this, which is really cool. Yeah. And um, to be able to have a combination of the fans and the bands and the artists and the music, the live music, which is yep. cool, uh, and interviews and podcasts, and I'm really, I'm really thrilled to be a part of it, man.
8: I appreciate it. So,
6: well, uh, new yeah. album, right? Yeah, new album 10. Uh, I saw the pre order start, so do we ever release it yet?
7: Uh, October 11th, or October 10th or 11th? <laughs> okay, yeah. <I'm laughs> we looking better forward look to that it. up. It's, okay. it's, I'll, look it, I'll look it up while you're talking, uh, but uh, I gotta, so, so I, I don't give the wrong date. But uh, yeah, it's it's coming out. It's on Rat Pack? On Rat Pack, and I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, October 11th okay. release date. Right on. Right. Will there
8: be physical,
7: vinyl as well? Physical, uh, CD, of course, sure, vinyl. Sure. We're doing vinyl packages oh, cool. uh, at ratpack.com. And really killer, like a green, uh, swirled, speckled, oh, it's nice. killer looking. Cool. And uh, it's, there's 11 tracks on the album, or 12, 12 tracks. i got to get my information right, man. Uh, 12 tracks, and there's basically a different guitar player on every song. And what it is, is it's a list of guitar players that I go and watch on YouTube that I love. Cool. Joel Holkstra, I didn't, Andy you
6: James. You didn't call me. <laughs> I, there's, I'm, there's a video of me playing what? guitar somewhere on YouTube. No. Yeah, run down who's on there. There's some big names.
7: Andy, uh, excuse me, Andy James, Jeff Loomis, Gus G, Ooh. Marzi Montazari, Joel Holkstra, Ethan Broch, Mike Kerr. Uh, I've got uh, Rich Ward of Fozzie, who's very underrated. I don't know if you're familiar with him. I am, yeah. yeah. Killer player. Uh, Howie Simon. Know if you're familiar with Howie? No, Uh, he's he's an incredible player. He actually sat in and stepped in with Striper when Oz was sick. Okay, great. Then I saw him live. He's great. Yeah, killer. But it's it's just an eclectic mix of all these guys, man, uh, who are just shredding on this. It's a shred album. Yeah. I mean, in terms of solos, right on. Uh, And it's 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 a great follow-up to One Side of War. Very similar musically. Okay but it goes up a notch or two with all these players
6: you know I really like that song is it radio is that what it's called on what's that word I'm gonna write a country song yeah 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 cool. yeah. I love that too. that was my jab at, I'm it, like, no, I'm Chris Farley that was great <laughs> remember that man yeah that You'll was great I love that that skit by the way yeah.
7: <laughs> but I tell you what about that song I, I decided I was gonna write a song kind of poking fun at all the guys and it's pretty funny sometimes and, and I'm poking fun at myself yeah too, because I, I did a song that you was have country. some
6: self-deprecation to your yeah. humor. Yeah.
7: The difference with me and a lot of other guys is I grew up in country. I was playing on my dad's country sessions. My dad had a number one country song in 79. <laughs> so I really, those are my roots, believe it or not. But, that being said, it's pretty funny sometimes when you see some of these guys who try to go country. Yeah. I mean, sure. I, the like, fans know what's real we and We all what's know not. you're talking
6: about the singer from Stained. <laughs> <laughs>
7: I didn't say that. Yeah, no, he absolutely not. not. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do. Guy, some of it works. Sometimes it works. Yeah. But most of the time it just doesn't work. Yeah. It, and imagine if uh who's the guy on uh uh the voice, the country guy? I don't big, know. big Oh, uh, Blake, Blake. Edward, Blake, Blake Shelton. Okay. Imagine if 2 years from now country wasn't so popular. Sure. And then Blake's doing a metal album. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would you would you buy that? No. Would you think this is I real? i would buy his
8: country album. <laughs> I, would, I would get it just for comedy. Yeah,
6: maybe. Maybe it's really good. It's yeah. got to
7: be the real deal, yeah, or or uh, don't do authentic. it. Authentic. Yeah. Authentic. Yeah. Exactly.
6: You know, I, I go. do oh, no, jump. In their in our conversations, I've kind of I kind of stayed away intentionally, just because not that big of an importance as far as me, but. I th- actually, you, you had a comment recently, and I'm going to paraphrase. So, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Something along the lines of, "You don't like something. Some bands using the label Christian rock." And I wonder if you could elaborate on that because we have some thoughts as far as questions for you regarding that.
7: I don't like the label Christian rock.
6: Just as a blanket statement, not your. I think calling it's, out any I think bands it's cheesy. Okay.
7: It's corny. <laughs> okay. It's silly. It's like you're either rock or you're not. Why, why, why are you Christian rock? Because you're singing about God. So th- does that make you know Slayer satanic rock? Are we gonna put a label on Slayer?
6: Well, they're called
9: satanic,
7: <laughs> but, but they're not when you go to a record store. No, no, right. right. Oh, I well, got not, you. Not there's, not, there's, there's, a, there's not a, not a category in the back of the oh, store that yes. says satan. Oh, yes. all the satanic rocks back there. <laughs> no, That's why I, I think it's. I just think it's corny.
6: This well, is but, a, This is a, I had no idea where you're going with it. That's great. I actually love that. Well, uh, there that is re- no satanic. <laughs>
7: there, there's no satanic rock category in a record store or online. You go. Genre. You go on iTunes and sure. look. It's, look we're Slayer. It'll say rock or metal. It's not going to say satanic metal. Uh, yeah, it, it, good point. It's, it's yeah. just silly to me. It's like, why, why, why have all these labels? I feel like labels take away from what you're trying to do. Yeah. They have for Striper in
6: yeah. the
7: sense that they limit what we're trying to do.
6: It was a big part of your, of, of your initial push, though, right, it, when the band started?
7: Well, no, it still is. I mean, see, that's the confusion. People think because I say something like that that I'm denouncing Christ. Or I didn't I'm denouncing take it like that, my but I think faith. you
6: do
8: make a good point. Um, no, you're talking about the, the labels.
6: Yeah, just just the fact that you have to be segregated almost.
8: Exactly. And, and okay. with that too though, but the we the thing we have an issue with is when they actually use it for Marketing. brands like skillet and need to breathe yes. and stuff like that. Yeah. Where I'm like my my wife for example, will put on a mix Yeah. something like that and skillet will come up and like what is yeah. this I know. How is this even and like they I seriously think it was just like let well, we can market ourselves better. We'll get into that. There's no so question. Right. Okay, you agree on that.
7: There's, I completely agree on that. Yeah. And, and I, I know bands. I'm, I won't name those bands, but I know bands that tried for years to get a deal in mainstream rock. Right. And they couldn't. Yep. And they, then they got a Christian deal and released a Christian album.
8: Right. And then you're on this special That's station. where it becomes, it
7: becomes right. almost a mockery. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And I, I'm not the only one that thinks that. Well, no, no. I mean, plenty... No, I guess I, I don't know. I don't have another.
8: We'd like to know your opinion on this.
7: So. Yeah, no, totally. And see, we're the difference with Striper. Not that we're better or worse or you know above anybody. It's just that when we started out, we were a rock band and right. we became Christians, right. and we continued down that path of being who we were. But we rewrote the lyrics and the message. Okay. But we still remain Striper, the same Striper you saw in the clubs, the look, the sound. Yeah. We did not sit down and say, okay. Let's be a Christian band now and change everything. We can't look like that because that's over the top, and we're going to lose followers, and we can't do this. We we just stayed who we were and stayed true to ourselves. You know, and we still do to this day. I mean, like, we have an album called Goddamn Evil. Most Christian bands probably wouldn't release an album called Goddamn Evil. (laughs) They would say, well, that's going to alienate our fan base. We did it because we felt led to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we follow our hearts and... What we feel comfortable doing. Walmart didn't like it either. So. Oh, they hated it. <laughs>
8: I, I think it's uh, similar to the whole thing with the country thing. Like, yes, people can see through it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Most, most people don't. can. Most people can, but it's just the same thing as like you, you got to be real. And totally, you've because had the longevity.
7: You can see that fans can see that whether it's music or movies or a TV show. Yep. We're all smart enough to know what's real and what's not yeah right. and you know if you're not being real man stop doing it I go get another job <laughs> I know you
8: had limited time with us the you want to talk about the pledge music can we want to know like what do you see like, as the you, next you had some outlet. comments but you never worked with pledge music right I did oh, oh yes, I okay
7: and that's why I had those comments I worked with pledge music twice yeah I it was a horrible experience both times yeah
8: how many years ago was this very uh,
7: One time uh, was with the Sweet and Lynch project, and another time yeah, was with, uh, what was it, a, a Striper project, I believe. I just felt like it was so unnecessary. All they did was mess up the pre-orders, yep. and when it was time to send them out, they were late. Uh, they didn't get uh, sent in properly to sound scan, so we missed out on first-week numbers, which okay. is really, oh, right. that's what it's all about yeah, is the first-week right. numbers. Right, for, for a band like us these days. So they dropped the ball in many ways. Really nice people working there. I'm not... I, nothing against the people that work there. But, man, I just thought it was a complete waste. Yeah. Waste of time and effort. And and they took a big piece of the pie for nothing.
8: Yeah. And they also... The fans blame the bands when you don't get your
7: Of course. Of course like, they do.
8: I had a thing where I did a pre-order. It doesn't matter what band. But but I got mine three weeks after you, somebody could go uh, get it. I know, in the store. man. You know what I mean?
7: And the first thing you think is, ah, the band. You know, because yeah, I, I read exactly. all the comments from people. Yep, right. Hey, dude, you know, I never got your shirt. What's up with you, man? What's your problem? It's like, <laughs> uh, I, I'm i not a merch guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
6: I don't know. I you're... dropped it off at the post office two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah. I
8: don't <laughs> deal with merch. Hey, let me pull up your tracking number.
6: <laughs> no, but the fans get caught in a tif- difficult exactly. spot. It, right. it, it, the artists are, are caught between it. It's just a bad
7: situation. I know.
6: And it's too bad because it would. You know, in theory, it was it was a really good thing. Totally. You know, conceptually,
7: anyway. In theory, it was a good thing, and it probably started out being a good thing. But man, the, the two experiences I had were really bad. Yeah. yeah. Almost nightmarish, and uh, <laughs> man, I and I vowed never to work the pledge ever again. Okay. And 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 then lo and behold, yeah. <laughs> yeah. they're no more. Right. Yeah. I wonder why.
6: <laughs> yeah. yeah. But <laughs> Uh, well, the album is 10. Yes. Yep. Uh, and you, you, you told us on the last time you were on that's uh, from the Ten Commandments? Yes. Okay.
7: It's it's the 10th like. album, 10th solo album, yep. which is really kind of weird. And I'm including a demo album that I released okay. called Unstriped. A
8: little bit of a push. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay.
7: <laughs> so I'm including that. Fudging so the numbers. If <laughs> you include that, it's the 10th tenth <laughs> solo album. And... The title track is based on the Ten Commandments. Right on. Cool. It's powerful. That's with Rich Ward, Richard Ward of Fozzie. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. He killed it. Wait till you hear it.
6: Are you going to tour at all or solo? Or if
7: th- I don't, man, I should go to jail because that's, <laughs> that should be a crime. I, I have to put together a band yeah. and go out and tour. The tricky part is Striper's a priority. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, I can't keep putting that on the shelf. Right. Because I haven't toured since 2001. Oh. So we're talking about, we're, we're approaching 20 years. So I got to get out. I want to put together some killer solo songs and also include a few Striper songs, but include some Sweet and Lynch songs, too. You know?
6: Uh, right on. Well, that, that would help, uh, that would uh, touch my heart quite a bit. I'm a big fan of the first record, especially. But,
7: Absolutely. Uh, no, dude, those are great albums. And, you know, if I can't do it with George, I'll do it with Joe Holkstra or somebody else.
6: Nice. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, um, they're telling us our time is yes. up. Thank you so much. The third uh, hey, guest, brother. third time guesting on our show. You are awesome. Uh, and and the best awesome. of luck. And thank you again for taking part in this. Uh, of course,
7: man. Anything you, you want to pitch to us? Well, just uh, you guys already know about the new solo album coming out, and the Striper's starting on a new album, mm. uh, end of this year, end of next year. Goddamn, happy? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, oh we're gonna do something. We're gonna do something totally in typical Striper form. Yeah. Totally unexpected and you know, uh, it'll surprise people.
6: All right. Well thank you again Good. so much for your time. You enjoy yourself today. You,
7: and great job last night. Thanks, brother. Just a jam. Alright, God bless you guys. Thank you.
8: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: To be yeah. stuff is baby, you living stories about me,
6: You, you've been on our show before. I don't know if you recall. Oh, yeah. uh, well, back in uh, January, just before the Starbreaker yes, record came out. Yes,
4: I believe I, I recall because Blabbermouth picked it up and ran with some shit on that one. So. Yeah. Um, they I can't awesome remember what... Do. The, I don't remember what the headline was, though. It was about Skid Row, always. Oh. Yeah. It's always about that. <laughs> Speaking about
6: Skid Row, any chance I'm going to get you to elaborate any more this time? Yeah.
8: Music is you, today. <laughs> you gave me nothing. You know, I will... Well, you know, Main reason that uh, I'm sure you know the main reason they have an issue with Sebastian that they do. Yeah, yeah.
4: Uh, I mean, I've known Sebastian for many years. I don't know their, their drama. And Honestly, yeah. just like everyone. Every, I don't want. Uh, are you? Are we? Are we? Yeah, <laughs> oh, of
8: course. No, I just, I just think it's because you didn't return Tupperware. It's a pet peeve of mine.
4: That'd be awesome. That'd be the best rock and roll story if that was true.
10: That was it. Now we'll get the, uh, the silliness. Out <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk about you.
4: What's going on? Yeah. Um, I well, Starbreaker came out in January and it did really well. It got great reviews. Um, I have since been writing a lot and preparing the, for the next chapter. Yeah. I have another record coming out in December called Love Killers on Frontiers, yeah. which is very different from Starbreaker.
6: No, it, it is Lover Kill? Love Killers. Lover Killers. Love uh, Killers. Rocco. Listen, <laughs> man. Well earned. Uh, uh, Love Killers. Is that a... That's not a solo... That's a band?
4: It's a project. It it's says a first okay. project. Okay. I, I actually didn't even write a lot of the songs on this one. It's, it's a much softer record than the Starbreaker album. So where that was more metal, this is more... Um, they like to call it AOR over in Europe. Yeah. I kind of hate that term, but... <laughs>
6: But um, going back to the Starbreaker thing, I know that kind of got caught up in that pledge music mess. How, how did that get
4: resolved, or I d- actually don't know. I guess it did. Yeah? I guess it got resolved. Yeah, because yeah, the really record did come out. What's that? Yeah, the record did come if out. Did come it, out, and I think they got everybody their their albums or their money. Okay. I hope. Yeah. yeah.
9: Yeah.
6: Well, it sucks for everybody involved, you know, because the artist kind of gets put in a bad spot with the the fans, and they're they're always gonna. Try to blame somebody. So
4: it's a real shame because uh, I knew Benji, who started Pledge from the very beginning. I went and met with him uh, at the when he launched it. Great guy. So I think he had sold it to other people, mm-hmm. and that's when things started to. Okay. that's at least what I have heard.
9: You are the best.
4: <laughs> um, so. You know what can I say? I mean, it's a great idea. I hope that they rise again and do what they did because I hope that didn't tarnish them too badly. Yeah. Because it's a great platform. It. What I did a great, a very successful um, project with them for the uh, Wildflowers with Bumblefoot that I did. Okay,
8: that was through uh, Legend of the music Pledge, kid. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's such a shame because it's just a, the music industries. Everybody has their challenges. There was one very original way that you could support artists Yeah. And now it went it went evil
4: yeah I mean what I liked about it was you could set however much you were trying to raise and, and the world didn't need to know how much that was so like um, um, Kickstarter yeah. you have to put the amount on there yep. I think it turns people off to see the amount but when they don't know and they just see the percentages rising it's a yeah. way cooler way to do it
9: Yeah.
6: yeah that's a good point um, I, I hear you're going to Australia coming up here.
4: Yeah, I'm so excited about that. I might not come back. Yeah, I mean, I've been, a, you know, I grew up surfing in San Diego. Okay. So I'm really excited about that.
6: Uh, what is what is a Melodic Rock Fest? Do I have that right? Uh, uh, it's, it's Melodic Rock Fest. Yeah.
4: It, um...
6: A fan of you, you or us? Yeah. <laughs>
4: I yeah, I have no idea. It's hard to tell because they're all wide angle yeah. now. Yeah.
6: Yeah. No, no. Well, I'm, I'm going to go with you, but that's uh, so why I'd be the way taking a picture of that. But. It's
4: boring to get that way. Oh. Yeah. Um, and She wanted you, a picture of Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, don't
8: remember I, don't, I remember this. I've this guy never once called him
6: Rocco. <laughs> this, this is, is going to be something that gets dropped like in all the real time real real now. Real yes. now. Yes. Um, <laughs> all good. You just moved to Nashville when we last talked. How was it going?
4: It's going great. Yeah, um, you like it? I do. I'm settling in. It's, yeah, it's going well. Yeah. There's
8: a lot of people are starting to connect with. Yeah, I,
4: I had a lot. I still have. I had and ha- still have a lot of work outside of Nashville that I have to, whether it be Europe or, you know, a lot of projects going on. So I'm just starting to get my feet on the ground here. And it's, it's yeah. I've been really, as I was in the very beginning, always very well received here. People are so friendly and so warm, so...
6: Do you ever get out and uh, do any like kind of solo acoustic performances locally here? Or?
4: I will, but I don't want to saturate it that way. Yeah. So you know, um, it's such a rich, vibrant uh, music scene that I just want to—I want to really explore um, more of the writing mm-hmm. and songwriting with people because there's so many great writers here, and yeah. uh, take advantage of that. And when I do play, I want it to be special. I don't want to yeah. wear it out where it's oh, Tony lives here, so he just like plays all the time. You know, ah, <laughs> that? oh, it's just Tony Arnell again. But
6: yeah,
8: a uh, uh, ballpark. Okay, oh, I was just gonna say, like, you know, is there any special technique uh, to keep your voice? You know, it, it still sounds. Yeah, don't tour. Just don't what? Don't tour. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's, that
4: I don't tour a lot. That's not perfect. by choice. All right, you've
8: heard here. If you don't, if you want a great singing voice, don't tour. No, perfect. Um, <laughs>
4: no, I took care of it. You know, I did. And I always, I, I had a great teacher I started with when I was 18 years old. My mom was an opera singer, so I know her. Uh, you know her her regiment and and her. Um, she was just very, very. She was a good person for me to have in my life early on, you know, helped me just know when to rest it. That's a big thing that singers don't usually understand. Like, right now I'm talking all day and I have to sing a song tonight. I'm like, it's in the back of my mind, you know? (laughs)
6: right on uh, I forgot where I was going cause I, oh I Sorry. I just had a dumb joke about the kid rock hockey talk I don't think it matters uh, <laughs> you could do it what's the tour you got coming up in Norway uh it was I wrote it down ten thousand miles to go ten thousand
4: miles to go uh, like it's a it's the first time I'm, I'm gonna be doing a storyteller show so uh, basically um, and and it's 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 actually coming together really beautifully it's it's uh it's basically taking you as quickly as you can. You have 90 minutes. Yeah. It's not a long time. Right. 75 to 90 minutes. It's, it's really not uh, to fit songs in and maybe get like three to five minutes of a story in. Um, but I'm getting as, I'm trying to compress it the best I can, my yeah. life, and all the different areas of it and get the beginning. The thing so is, you're going to you know, touch on all your bands, all your projects? Well, no. or? Uh, because it's in Norway, the focus will be my life in TNT. Okay. And the thing about it is we were so enormous there that as an American singer, I'm be- and I'm being inducted into the ah. Popular Music Hall of Fame uh, on the 16th of September, which is really, I'm the only American that's going to be in there. So they'll be, um, so they they know my voice over there. They know me. Yeah. They know, but they don't really know me. So this sh- this show I'm doing is sort of um, a way to connect on a deeper level to the yeah. audience. Yeah.
6: Uh, no, you're going to be doing it with a band or just yourself with a guitar? Or it's me and a guitar. Right on. Are you going to maybe shoot this for your American fans to check it out? Or well,
4: this the first leg of this um, is really just to kind of get it all get it going. Yeah. And then we're probably going to go back and do more of it. So, uh, and that's when I'll perhaps. Right
6: on. The- yeah, I would definitely be enjoy sitting through something yeah. like that. Um, mm-hmm. Me too. Uh,
8: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just like the fact that people are starting to do this more like John Karabi kind of does this now too with a storyteller. So. Yeah, it's,
4: yeah, I mean, a lot of people do acoustic shows yeah. and a lot of people are, are, some people I should say are good at it. Um, it's an art form in itself. I started oh, doing them a long time ago. I started doing them, I was inspired in New York City by the... Smaller venues and seeing my my more my younger singer songwriter friends roll into these kind of uh, you know what should I say exclusive really cool um, little venues and and you know I realized watching them it 's not easy, so I wanted to do it as another to add another aspect and to challenge myself because getting on stage in front of a lot of people with a lot of lights and a lot of sound is is something I know how to do. Um, when you when you strip it down and you, you're more naked, um, you know, you, you, you have to be... It, it's a challenge. And I wanted that challenge. And I got... I, I actually, over time, I got really good at it. And uh, so I'll have to warm up and, and get good at it again.
9: It, it
6: uh, strips... It shows you how strong a song is when you strip it down like that. Well,
4: that's the thing. Yeah. When I first did it and I started stripping down all the TNT stuff, I realized some of the songs that I had to choose very different songs than what you would think. It was very hard for me to make the big hits sound cool. Right? Yeah. It was much easier with a lot of A lot other of guitar pyrotechnics
6: uh, from uh, Ronnie. But, you always have but, to translate yeah, back, right?
4: Yeah, but in the 80s, so much of the song was production. Okay. And, the, you know, yeah, there were bands with great songs. You had... Uh, you had Depp Leopard, you know, which are yeah. undeniably great songs. You had Guns N' Roses and, <laughs> and Michael's Wife. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but in my opinion, this is so distracting, by the way. Yeah. yeah. In, in my opinion... Uh, <laughs> um, it was a lot of it was based on production, yeah. and so when you strip the stuff down and you take all the production away, sometimes there's not much of a song there.
6: Yeah. yeah so you do. Okay. You you actually found songs like, wow, there's really nothing I can do with that. I'm not but.
4: lame, but wow, they, it just doesn't. It doesn't. There's not a lot to it without sure. without the production and the guitars and the and the harmony vocals and so I. But the surprising beautiful part of this was I found a lot of songs that maybe didn't translate very well with a big production that sounded better stripped down. Oh, right on.
6: Yeah. Uh, Now, this is your first time at Rockin' Pod. What do you think? I mean, uh,
4: I've done two interviews. I I performed last night. I'm already overwhelmed. Yeah.
6: (laughs) This is pretty cool. I mean, Chris puts all this. It's all. I don't know how much you know about it, but it it, it was crowdfunded the first two years, uh, you know, just by podcast listeners um it's very DIY it's all about supporting rock and roll and um, you know not just the past but pushing stuff forward a little bit but uh, yeah um, and yeah. you of course are the winner of the Tony Harnell cosplay contest uh, That's y- right. y- oh, yeah yeah next
8: <laughs> I forgot about that. You, you, Who did I beat? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Steelheart guys. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> nice. I
6: like it. Steelheart guy.
9: <laughs> no, nice Yeah. We really like,
8: appreciate
6: taking your time and being part of the community. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have you back on when the uh, love, love Killer comes out. Love Killers. Love okay, I'll learn the name better by then. <laughs>
8: Practicing to be a DJ. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so, so here's so here's the deal. Uh, today we're going to talk about nothing but Carnival Souls. Excellent. Just kidding. <laughs> Wee! I gotta go. I know that's a one oh, thing. Okay. Like, have you been asked get about beat. the record before uh, <laughs> by this group of people. Yes, once. Yeah, yes, once. once
2: about that. Yeah,
8: once is too many. Uh, that's <laughs> right. No, we're.
6: Um, I intentionally get pulled up everything I could find as far as what you did, just because I know you've done so many records, and it was going to be faster than going through my CD collection. But right, right, yeah, right. So, you I can
2: always so, find me at
8: TobyRightMusic.com, where I have a whole list. <laughs> and well, um, I guess. One of the questions would be, you know, probably one of the last rock great movie soundtracks as far as rock is Last Action Hero. Now, which was first in my memory? was, Did you work with them on that soundtrack for those two songs? Because it says produced by Allison Chains, but I don't think that's accurate. On the
2: actual album, it doesn't it, have it, your name. It's technically accurate oh. um, that it was produced by Allison Chains. Um, and that was pre-Jar of Flies. That's where I right? thought the timeline was. Yes. Right? Okay. So that, that's the timeline on that. I was brought in to, you know, I was begging their A&R guy at the time um, to please let me work with this band. I love this band. They're amazing. I can help them. They can help me. We'll right. have a great symbiotic relationship. He gave me a shot to record those two songs. Okay. Um, a Little Bitter and What the Hell Have I. Yep. Um, and so we went in with the movie people and we recorded them and the movie people... You know, it was just a big fiasco with those two guys um, because they really didn't know music and/or study this band, right? Um, so, but well, we I mean, had... it's
8: kind of a disconnect because they're wacky movie, and not a good Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Right, out, but bad With a great movie. soundtrack, right? Or one rock. of the best soundtracks, I think. I, yeah, absolutely, you know, yeah. It I was mean, really original, cool. Two original songs by Allison Chance and a soundtrack. Right. I was like, what? That one in Judgment Night stick out to me as one that I've actually yeah,
2: that's kind right. Kind of cool too. Too. Yeah. yeah. Right. I like yeah, Judgment oh, Night as well. Yeah, but so, you know, we went in and, you know, just did our thing. And, um, you know, then it came out and uh, I guess, pardon me, um, Andy Wallace mixed it to begin with. Um, And then later on, toward the, you know, toward the end there, um, they asked me to remix because they didn't like it. And that's why I got Jar of Flies, because they didn't like Andy's mixes on those two songs.
8: Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I... Did he mix for Dave Jordan before, too? I, I was, I was don't just curious because so. they were with him for the first two right. albums. I think they were yeah.
2: Jordan, and then you know after Dirt, um, right?
8: You know that kind of turned around for okay. whatever reason. Gotcha, gotcha. So then the next part would be with with that situation. So they, that was kind of like your test. Right, kind of. right, right. Okay, right.
2: I would say that. Sure.
8: Yeah. I what it was like in the studio with them, because they had a, kind of a
6: turbulent history with drugs and stuff. It was you know, and, and Lane is an amazing singer, and, and uh, Jerry, of course, a killer guitar player. Right. Was there? Did it come together easy? Was there any kind of any issues that you kind of had to deal with to get the thing done, related, related <laughs> to their 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 personal issues?
2: Um. You know, I never saw any of the personal stuff Yeah. you know I heard about it and it was like okay um, but I just you know I dealt with I chose to deal with the music and because that's what I was hired to do okay um, you know as far as personal lives and all that kind of stuff some of it intermingled um, but at the same time I just you know I wanted to steer clear of all that and, and you know get to the heart of what I was hired to do which was make great music with them yeah. right and so was there hard days and Easy days, you know, to pull stuff out of people, sure. You know, just depended on the day. You know, some days were really easy, and right. some days were really hard. You know, it just depended
8: on the day.
6: That was the first record with the Inez? Do I have that right?
8: Yeah. Okay. So, like, with Jar of Flies, though, kind of the story that I've heard is that it was, you went in for something, there was, like, a studio time booked, but it wasn't intentionally to make, like, Sap Part 2, right? It was just kind of... It wasn't re- right. That, that it wasn't for like SAP Part 2, like it, it t- kind of turned into something different, those sessions? Or was it all as a conscious effort to, well, we're going to do another acoustic Yeah, EP. Their, their
2: history, if you look at their history, was EP, album, right. EP, Which album is awesome. EP, album, EP, right. album. Right. And the EPs were always acoustic, right? right? So, you know, uh, they were at the end of the uh, Lollapalooza tour. Um, yep. And Jerry called me up and said, hey, man, you know, you want to do an EP with us? After I had done What the Hell of I and, and okay, A Little okay. bit, right? Gotcha. He went out on that big tour. He called me from Australia, and I said, yeah, I'd love to do an EP with you guys. You know, okay, meet us in Seattle. He said, hey, man, can you send me some, you know, you have any songs? He goes, yeah, I got a bunch of them. You know, and I was like, cool. Right. And uh, so... You know, I, we went up there. We all met in the studio. I said, "Hey, how about you know playing me some of those songs right now?" This he is said, where I, I got it from. Right. Yeah. Funny thing about that, I don't have any. That's right? what I thought. Yeah. And so, you know, I and he said, "Hey, do you mind if we jam for the next ten days?" Because we had ten days of studio time booked. And so it was written, arranged, produced, recorded, and mixed in ten days. Yeah, that's
8: that's the that. That's the version that I got And it convoluted. was the first EP yep. to ever debut at number one. Yeah. I got to tell you, that one, it's amazing that that happened because they never leave my playlist. That's just a great, you know, you just put it in, it transcends hard rock, and it's just, mm-hmm. my God. Um, and they had nothing written. That's, that's pretty incredible.
2: Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it was amazing to me to this day that all they of that happened. Off. You know what I yep. mean? It was just just stuff happens you know and and on a whim and that we just you know the 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 thing in the room you know the the vibe in the room was that you know and jerry and i had discussed it was that if something happens with this cool if we don't release it that's cool too at least we all had fun yeah exactly and that was that was it you know yeah so when you go into it with that kind of a mindset you can't go wrong Nope. You know what I mean? If you're like, we're gonna make the first EP to ever debut at number one, you'll <laughs> never fucking hit your mark. Never. never. No. <laughs> I wonder if that yeah. sentence has ever been phrased
6: before? Like, yeah. like, like, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> no, no, what was go, your ahead, role go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Divine intervention by Slayer. And, uh, now, wasn't Rick Rubin still kind of saying I produced everything at that time, or am I wrong? Yeah,
2: yeah, he was. I was hired as the engineer, yeah. um, and the guy to capture everything. Um, and then it became quite apparent when he didn't show up at the studio a lot um, that, you know, <laughs> the band and I were producing the record. Okay. And so we rallied him to say, hey, dude, you know, look, we're, we're actually doing all this production work. You're helping, but not to the extent that, you know, and this was between them and him. Yeah. Um, you know, because they were signed to him, period, right? And so, you know, that's between them and him. We rallied... And you know uh, we ended up with co-production credits. Okay. So Rick Rick Rubin. It's the worst
6: Slayer record by the
2: way. Sorry to hear that. (laughs) I think it's one of their
8: best. It's a good record. Uh, Rick Rubin. uh, Okay, there you go. How would you rate Rick Rubin as a napper on a couch? A A napper, guy that takes naps on a couch. I don't know. I didn't no? see him very much. Oh, that, that's why I've heard he <laughs> takes naps on the couch when he's when he's uh, tell you in the what, studio. He, he's an incredible mind. Oh my God! Yeah, and I mean, carve and there's so many albums some I of have. The shit that he does, Sure. I, I wish I had had that
2: touch. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just you know, like Johnny Cash is probably one of my favorite right. ever, forever. Um, that I'll he's done. That you know is just friggin' amazing. You know, there you you couldn't have caught that man at a better time, right? Space and. And the whole thing You know Oh yeah
6: I love the, the Red Voodoo record um, Yeah, And that, that era of Sammy though, He had like one or two Three records Right after Van Halen That I think were really good Right um, What can you tell us About working in the, on that
2: album Oh just Amazing working with that guy I love them I still do I mean I think that You know his His departure from Van Halen And all, all the Van Halen uh, You know David Lee Roth stuff And all that kind of It don't matter Uh, You know, I look at a performer as a performer, and he's actually one of the best. He's an amazing guitar player. He's a kick-ass singer. It's all about vibe, you know, and I think that he just brings it, you know, wherever he goes. And, you know, I've I've seen him several times at shows and this, that, and, you know, he's just a stand-up dude.
6: There's so much color and shape to the songs on that record as it goes through Uh, A lot of different styles, but it all meshes and melds really well. Right. Um, I mean, the title track is one of my favorite songs of his, uh, Red Voodoo. Yeah, me too. Me too. uh, Yeah, so I would have loved to have been there, but you you didn't call.
2: He didn't, yeah, he didn't call and invite you. (laughs) Yeah, I I had a blast working that record. That was fun.
6: Did he uh, make you any Wabaritas?
2: Uh, No, but he was just coming (laughs) out with the, uh, what was it, uh... The, which tequila was it? Wabo? Wabo Cabo Wabo. Yeah, yeah. Cabo Wabo tequila well, I think the cover at that, of that time.
6: Had uh, the recipe for a Waburita. Uh,
2: yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> and because uh, I remember he was, we were talking about him, you know, them doing a show and it being like a restaurant on stage and they were going to serve Waburitos. And, yeah. you know, he's like, man, you got to come over and, that's you right. know, just sit on stage while we do this show. And, you know, unfortunately it never happened, but, it, you know, it, it was fun to, to think about, you know.
8: I got to tell you, I actually did not know this until he pulled this up. Mostly because I didn't see it in the producer, Deliverance, working with Corrosion of Conformity. Huh. Like were you were you brought into the when you were mixing? or you like what any any stories about that? Or working with a band? Or was it? Given uh, I mix that at
2: Electric Lady. Okay, um, downstairs, in Studio B, um, and it, you know I was I love that record. I just I love it too. That's you know,
8: my my favorite like '90s that genre uh, record like just sounds perfect I like Wise Blood but Deliverance better I agree (laughs) of course you do of course you do (laughs) yeah Wise Blood was like Deliverance but a little less and that was right after it right yeah it was the one right after those are the two that kind of like them. they changed their sound and Mike uh, Frazier
2: makes that one right I'm not sure okay yeah but yeah because um, yeah, I just had had a great time working with those guys at that point John Custer the producer you know we just that's I'd, the name I thought, with, Yeah Yeah and I I had worked with another one Of the artists that he'd produced Named Chris Whitley Okay um, Who was an amazing guitar player And you know Just had that beautiful Amazing tonality and right. Just I learned so much from Chris Who was retarded But you know John really brought The musicality out of the band And I think you know Just like Just mixing that record You know The Deliverance record I think you know Just kind of I don't know just there's days when you just know you're kicking ass right and then there's days that are like oh, I'm doing okay right you know what I mean and uh, you know and I don't really get along or I, I, I don't I don't really feel this song or something like that and I didn't have any of that with any of that record at all I was nice. like oh this one's kick ass too right and I put on the next song oh fuck this one's amazing you know but like
8: uh, for- I clean no, no, my I sh- wounds it was like wow what now clean my wounds oh it's great Come on, Albatross, all that great yeah. stuff Amazing, epic, epic yes. songs Yes, and they still sound great too Have you have you, seen yeah, them since
6: them well. I've been Yeah,
2: yeah exactly. Well that's what I try to do is mix Music not for The moment, but For a classic sense of, of Music, because I want you 20 years from now and, you know, it's been 20 years since I made those records. Right. And they still hold up. And so it, in 20 years, I still want them to hold up. I don't want to, you know, I was never a guy to follow fads. You know, like, oh, shit, you know, there's, it's high compression, fucking stupid volume time. Right. I, I still don't follow that fad. Yeah. I like music to be dynamic yep. and have depth. I want to hear the reverb. I want to hear the delays in the background. I want to hear left to right. I don't want it to sound like it's you know an inch high and you know four inches wide. Not into it. Don't care about how loud it is. I have a volume knob on my stereo or my phone or whatever. I know know what I mean.
8: Everybody does. So use it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's right. But, like, in that situation, so the album was already done, they gave it to you to mix, correct? Or were you yeah. actually there during the process?
2: No, no, that was, I just mixed that one. Right, so, exactly.
8: So that that one, um, uh, is there ever, ever to, a situation like that? Can the, does the producer hear the mix and then give you notes on what he wants to change? That's what I was curious about, how that works. Sometimes.
2: Um, you know, like that one, he just, you know, here, do something. And you know then that. the band was all there, right? So, you know, the band would come in. I'd play the mix, they go, oh, you know, I would need more of this, less of that, blah, 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 blah. And I'd just push around some faders until everybody was happy. You know what I mean? Because at that point, it's still my mix, you know, and you can't become, like, so attached to it that you're not right. going right. to raise a vocal. You right? know what I mean? Like, that's not going to destroy anything. It's going to make it better. And, the, you, know, they're, you know, if you get a drummer that's always like, I need more drums. Right. Well, at a certain point, it becomes, I'm crying wolf. Yes. You know what I mean? Or the singer's always like more vocal you know if the vocals are low okay I can see it but you know there's a certain you know I I look I I try to explain it to people and musicians of just think of an aquarium how much water does it hold a certain amount right and no more you can't put one more drop of water into that aquarium (laughs) once it's totally full Right. So now let's let's put dye and colors in there. <laughs> right, okay, right. red is the drums. This is blue is the guitars. You know, yellow is the bass. Whatever. Right. right? How much are you going to get in there? Right. You know. Well, if you want more red, then something else has to disappear and become yeah. less. So think about that. And as you think about that, let's you know listen to the song, close your eyes, and hear the and hear some colors. Exactly. Yeah, he talks about colors a
8: lot of times with music. Mm-hmm. You know, things sound, he, uh, there, I got not think In that situation, you were given great songs to work with to mix. Has there ever been a time when you were given something on the, the mixing end, maybe earlier in your career, where you like, I don't know what to do with this, or like it was very difficult to, to mix it?
2: Yeah, I mean, earlier and later. Um, okay. You know, it, it still happens. Still happens. Um, <laughs> sure. There's. I, I always know, you know, what to do just mix the song, you know, and make sure that everybody has a good balance, all the tonalities are good, and, you know, that you can hear all the instruments and their nuances. Right. That's the art of mixing, period. Right. Like, you know, it's not about, you know, making the vocals louder or thinner or more compressed or this or that right. or the other. It's it's more about, you know, the whole, that making that song sound the best that it can for that moment given. Because, you know, as I explained to my artists as well, that we're here for your moment right now. Right. Give me the best that you can right now. In three to five years from now, you might look back and go, man, I can sing that song so much better now. Well, I certainly hope so. <laughs> because you've had that much more experience, yeah. uh, right? That makes sense. So, yeah. Can we okay. redo it? No. Right. It, it is what it is. But at the same time, it's like, you That's know. It's of music, because even, even for the listener,
6: that moment in time more than anything music takes you back exactly you know movies don't do that television doesn't you almost feel dated at that if they're not good but music will always so it i know artists sometimes struggle with that but i like it i like the fact that you sounded raw yeah and you grew and i get to enjoy that progression and you know
2: right right and you're and you're actually one of the few because you know people have a lot of opinion about <laughs> about music and what's good and what's bad, and, and what happened, and this, that, and the other, and you know, recently talking about the Kiss thing, somebody one of the one of the podcasters said, you know, about Kiss, and you know that, uh, you know, oh, there's guys out there that are afraid of the band, and there's guys out there that you know that don't uh, don't understand the band, Toby Wright, and I was oh, like, boy. I beg your pardon. Like, what's so hard to understand about a band that wants to make a certain genre of record at, yeah. at a certain point in their career? Right. Was, you know what I mean? It's so like, like, obvious. Okay, I will help fans you do fans that.
9: Fans. You may have discovered that. But I uh, have, yeah. <laughs> they're uh, pretty simple people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Keep it simple, stupid. Come on. That's
8: Hello. What it for, right? Come on. But, uh, That's what um, I've been told. So is it Action at- Kiss?
6: I love I love your the record you do with them, my favorite band, but... Their fans are fucking nuts.
2: Yeah, they're all, and they all have opinions. It's like, you know, this one's my favorite, that one's my favorite, this one sucks, that one sucks. It's like, you know what? Those guys as a band have kicked ass since before all three of us, well, not all three of us were born, but a long time.
8: What, 50 years now? Right. Like, Like literally?
2: Like 46, 47?
6: Yeah,
8: yeah, it's they crazy. Wa- yeah, they wanted to do revenge on steroids or whatever. You know, they just wanted to amp it up. I assume. go do it, I right? It was exactly. Progression from yeah. revenge. I really did.
6: Yeah, um, I was so pleased when it finally got a release. You know, it would have been nice to have an actual packaging put together for it. I but would have liked a real cover.
2: Yeah, that's
8: what I'm getting like, oh, at. Yeah, they the original one was, was awesome instead. instead. But
6: all yeah. I had at the time was bootlegs. And it
2: was like... yeah, that, uh, at the time, it was the biggest bootleg record in the world. Yeah. Yeah, who who, who, get,
8: who put that thing out?
6: Yeah, we yeah. know it was you, Toby. Say
8: what? Yeah. Who put that th- bootleg out?
2: Uh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We all have our suspicions.
8: Okay. All right. As do I, <laughs> but no. And is it true that you're? Oh, is it true that you uh, uh, are going to be remixing the Injustice for All album this year? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. I think. I'm sorry. He he told me you were. And no, over here. No, he didn't.
2: <laughs> we're gonna no, I'm on time right now. But that no. was that was um, that was put to bed by the band. Um, no, understood, you know, and and they want to just leave history as it was, and and that's a beautiful thing. And I but there was actually them.
8: a conversation. Absolutely, oh, we, okay. we
2: started a big ruckus uh, about it um, because you know there was coming up on the anniversary of the record, um, and you know people wanted to hear the bass and all that kind of good stuff. Right. And you know James just you know said no, we we want it the way it is. Thank you and thank you very much for offering. Yeah. And so I you know. I, I love that that you know they just came up and said okay no okay. I and, think it, it's I great like
6: you'll always have the regular record you know you don't have to George Lucas it and destroy the, the original masters right but I'd like to hear a remixed one yeah uh, a yeah. lot of people would obviously but it's but, okay whatever
2: yeah I mean you know are you going to repaint the Mona Lisa why not? Make her make her tits bigger or something. Right. I mean, come on. You heard it fur. You heard her, you know, her now. Her big tits. Uh, yeah, right. Are you going to do that because you're a fan of big tits? I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, it's like I do like big tits. Uh, yeah, but would you repaint the Mona Lisa? No, I get where you're going there. Exactly. I'm just so trying to make it difficult for you.
8: It is. It is what it is. Yep. You know what I mean? And history is what history is. This guy's got some great analogies. Analogies. He's got the Mona Lisa. He's got the aquarium. He's coming, he's coming prepared. <laughs> Well, thank you for your time. Thank yeah, you, guys. It's a pleasure. Hey, I have one last
6: question. You know, yes, sir. Producers are somewhat, uh, you know, you're, you're you're kind of faceless as, as a profession, even though millions of people know your work, right? But when you come to an event like this, you are now being recognized and talked to, you know, because we're kind of the fringe. Is that kind of a, a unique thing for you when you come to something like this? It's like, hey, you're Toby Wright, you know, and like that kind of stuff. Because I, I, you probably don't get it like a regular rock star would out in the, in the world. True. Right? Not like
2: that guy right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <hey. laughs> the updated jerk sock. woo! <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Kenny Olson just showed up. <laughs> but I, I, I do get recognized, and it, you know, it's it's kind of fun, um, you know, for the limited yeah. people that show up. You know what I mean?
6: I mean, I wasn't taking a shot. It's the nature of the business, you know to yeah, exactly. I Yeah, exactly. So. No, no,
2: I didn't. Uh, I didn't think you were taking a shot. You know, it's like. Okay. Uh, I, uh, You know, I'm, I'm not that guy, you know what yeah. I mean? He's been seen by millions on stage. Yeah. I haven't. I've right. just sold millions of, right. or helped to sell millions of records.
6: So it feels good.
2: It feels great. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to sit here and talk to you guys about it is, is an honor. Yeah, right on. You know? uh, yeah. for us too. Because to me, it's just a job, you know, and I love my job. I love right. making music, and I'll do it till the day I can't do it anymore.
8: We think, we also thank you for being, uh, I think, a, one of the only three-time attendees you come all three well, yes, years. Yes, I am. So yes. you've done the trifecta of uh Rocket Pod, well, I so thank you. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. you. <laughs> Perfect timing. I didn't have That, that re- was. Yeah. But uh, we know but you'll I'm be here today. next year too. Oh, all right. <laughs> what is that? What is that for the four? Is there yeah, a term for that? The quad. The quad? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Quad. Quadfecta. <laughs> Quadfecta.
2: <laughs> if it's Are not right. a word, it is now. It is now. That's right. Please put speaking to the quad. Done. All right. Trademark Toby Wright. Yes, yes. Perfect. (laughs) Well, thank you. All right, Jen. Thank you very much. Take care. You bet.
8: are awesome so um, I just want to open up the interview to, uh, to talk about Saigon Kick it's just simply when is love actually going to get here
6: is there an ETA I heard it's on the way
8: it's
3: it's. first of all how long will it be before a sub shop like Jimmy John's or Subway uses it as an, a, a lunch is on the way sure
8: 10 minutes you know it, right I mean we can give it a time
3: okay. uh, love never arrives but the royalty checks do
8: <laughs> damn straight nice alright alright um,
3: uh, when you're shooting that video, were you uh,
6: pleased by the performances of the drummer and bass player?
3: Um, we knew that we didn't want them holding a candle or a lighter and waving it back and forth. That had seemed like it had been a little bit derivative. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were as harem girls as I like to think of them all. They were uh, they were fantastic.
6: How did they actually feel about that? Was there any kind of like conversation like, "What the fuck am I supposed to do"? There's,
3: I don't I mean we we were blissfully ignorant okay. making that record like and nor did we sit down thinking this is going to be a big hit and watch what's going to happen and you're going to hate doing the video for this mega big song didn't end we, we always made just whatever we wanted to make record wise right. so I don't know how familiar you are with like the first records or, but they are always pretty left and right and had punk stuff and heavy stuff and avant-garde stuff and pop stuff and so it's just what we did. The same same balance of record uh, was on the first record as was on the second record. Sure.
6: Mm-hmm. Uh, um, now, you guys have gone back and played shows in the last few years together, but but not that long ago. There was some pretty bad blood between everybody. I know Matt Kramer had some, I don't know, not, let's just say not kind words to say about you. Same with uh, the drummer uh, Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did uh, that reconcile, or do you guys say we're not talking to each other? We're just taking a paycheck. It,
3: they realized uh, they were wrong and I was right. <laughs>
6: that's the perfect answer
3: <laughs> no uh, we still don't get along yeah and uh, you know I'm just of the opinion like me sitting here tearing people apart been done boring no one cares I don't care so I can't imagine anybody else would want to hear me gripe about interband squabbles right. it is what it is
6: yeah well I, I, I've been in bands myself they're typically not as interesting as people probably think no they want the, you know they I mean they're... I
3: am of course but the yeah, band, right right the band no
6: but uh... The fights, the drama is actually very typical, standard, run of the mill. shit. It's so
3: stupid that it's not even like a really fantastic argument, like where oh he took my Swiss bank account and ran off right. with my model wife, and then right. he took my yacht and crashed it into my Porsche. It's just dumb. It's just right. dumb. The same dumb arguments, I guess, everybody in the world has at any job, um, sure. except it tends to get a little more amplified.
6: So, but but you guys actually still don't really get along that well then, or
3: not not in the slightest. <laughs>
8: I, I I got a question. Uh, I love in Florida. that Florida. So I lived there for ten years. And are you guys from Tampa? or Where are you from? Uh,
3: the Miami, Fort Lauderdale area. The,
8: okay, so that's right there. I was closer there, like West Palm. But like, I guess my question there is that that uh, like Florida, you don't hear of that many rock bands coming from Florida overall. Right. Right. Was that difficult, like music scene wise? Because I, when I lived there, it was, it was it was it killed me because, as you know, probably. Not that many bands come all the way down south or right. on tour. So I just want to know kind of maybe some of the challenges coming up in that area.
3: I've learned to see it as kind of a blessing because we yeah. were able to develop in South Florida and not in LA and not in New York where there's eight million bands doing, you know, sure. ambient Norwegian punk. And there's a right. whole scene and they're all rehearsing next to each other and they all hear what each other's doing. Sure. Or in LA, the metal scene at the time or, you know, we were kind of on our own. And Florida's really had some unique. You look at Florida. You have Miami Sound Machine, yep. Marilyn Manson. That's true. Marilyn's um, from there. You know, Don't Tom. Forget a. about that one. Yep, yep. Um, so a lot of really yeah. death. you know, out of Tampa. Um, so you get you get a lot of re- sabotage. Um, so it was really weird diversity of unique bands that came out of there, and I think that's partially because you weren't as inundated like you know in L.A. You know there was floors of metal bands. Like you, I don't know if they organize them by year or whatever, but right. all rehearsing, all at the same shows, all playing right. the same—that's kind of shopping at the same thing, right? Right. So I think there's a, there's a negative to that as
8: well as a positive. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just curious, because it doesn't seem to be that, that much of a rock scene while I was there for last. No, I don't think there. Florida yeah. is
3: like the same way with sports.
8: Yeah. If you're Their winning, is,
3: they're into it. That's great. And
8: if not, they're out because yeah, they no one cares. Because there's so much other crap. To, Going on, I guess. Like, and no one's dr- from there. That is correct. No, I so, was. Yeah. Like are you from? Are you from there? From the no, I'm from New York originally. Okay. Yeah, that's why I was there for 10 years. And I, anyway, I'm but, a massive hockey fan. Okay. Um, and
3: I've adopted the Florida Panthers as my team. Sure. But I mean, you know, you you have a Rangers coming to town. That place is. Full of Rangers Correct. fans, or Pittsburgh, or any right. other city. Yep. Yep. Because no one's.
6: It's brilliant to put a sports team in Vegas because it's a destination for all the other fans of other teams. Absolutely, it's going to screw the home team. But like, I mean, I know that that uh, I have all sorts of friends that have gone to see. Uh, I'm from Minnesota. Uh, the Wild play just
8: because they want to go to. I get to see a A weekend
3: in Vegas? And I get to Vegas, so.
8: Exactly. So so that's a weird thing about Florida. Right. Because I actually saw you guys. It was, uh, I think it was called just called Rockfest in Tampa. It was maybe like four or five years ago. And you guys oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, opened. It was like, uh, I think it was with Event uh, Sevenfold. When, and Yeah, they, when they the didn't Sun have right? the PA on for half the sound. Thank you. I was wondering if you, because uh, I don't think there I'm was not a, a. I'm not a stickler for
3: technicalities, but I, I, I feel like maybe. Having the PA on during a band set would behoove So I a I think I think there was no bass or dr- what was missing? No guitar, no no drums for the first
8: Yes, it was the, the most first, surreal thing the I've first seen. First 3 of 5 songs we played. Yep. I was like, what am I listening to? Who the fuck is not in Okay. Okay, so you do remember that because I When you're a ridiculous.
3: mega act like Saigon Kick and you come to town, <laughs> they pull out all the stops to make sure I everything's guess so. technically flawless. <laughs>
8: I have you? Would uh, you have more there? No, it? I, it was just a very unique oh, situation. I'm, I'm unique is, is a nice way of putting too. it, huh?
3: Unique is a nice way of putting yeah, it. That no, was, I,
8: I guarantee you guys were so pissed. It was just like you know. Had... I mean,
3: I wasn't. I'm, I, I'm used to kind of. I go into life expecting a car wreck. Yeah. So when there's not dismembered bodies after anything, I'm always like,
8: hey. I like that. Yeah. That's that's a good you way know, to look at things. Uh, Excellent, uh, and it's a music. Yeah. yeah,
3: and the music business is really just a series of groin kicks,
8: <laughs> right? Sure, with intermittent like, oh, I didn't get kicked, graze, just like right next yeah. to the ball, or, a flick,
3: right just directs. that kind just of a flick,
6: right? Uh, yeah. uh, Matt, Matt, not Matt, uh, Phil Verone, your drummer. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you see the documentary they did on him?
3: Did not watch it. That he did on him.
6: What's that? I think he did it on him. Have you seen any? Have you seen these other movies?
3: Uh, not really something I put high on my list of must rents. Okay, uh. But hey, more power! Look, you know what? Is what? Netflix. Uh, I don't. I, I, if they have a, a dark, a dark, a dark web version of Netflix. Um, uh, more power to whatever. You know, I got enough trouble running my own life, yeah. <laughs> making my own decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? People do stuff and make decisions and.
6: You know, well, way- I enjoyed the documentary very much. and uh, I, I've heard him interviewed some times. He can be okay. In
3: fairness, oh, he's not a hes a smart guy. Uh, in fairness, that version of him, I never knew. Because that all happened during, really, this skid row time. Yeah. Um, when we were on tour, I mean, we would drink a few beers and fall asleep. We weren't like a drug band, you know. Um, so, you know... That it called Father. So uh,
6: I guess I know the answer to the next question, especially because you said you guys aren't really getting along. Um, I guarantee he's never given you one of his uh, dildos that are fashioned after himself. I'm sitting on
3: one as we speak.
9: <laughs>
8: <laughs> I, I saw you moving a little, a little left. Yeah. Okay, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, this comes up sometimes. Like I recently saw Extreme; they, they, were, they were great. But you know, that's that's one band that's known for like, you know, an acoustic song like your hit. Um, I guess what did, did you was that picked as the 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 main single. I guess what I'm saying is that there's a lot of challenges. Like A lot of people have no idea the extreme rock's like Van Halen, kind right. of. You know yeah, what I mean?
6: That. Like people got into that song and they hear that record. And oh, I
8: mean,
3: I, I, there was literally hordes of soccer moms rioting at our live shows when they realized the rest of the album wasn't that. But you know what? I don't, I don't. don't Saying I don't care is not right. It was never part of my mental process. I make music I want to make. If I want to make a bunch of Barry Manilow tunes, that's oh, what sure. I'm doing. If I want to make sugar tunes, that's what I'm doing it wasn't written as a oh my god let's have a hit um, right. that mentality wasn't you, sure. because I mean if we would have tried to write a hit it would have failed miserably we were in Mexico shooting a video for a song on that record called Hostile Youth okay. with uh, the guy who'd done the Jane's Addiction documentary Gift got a call from Doug Morris who's a legendary kind of record label owner guy and he said look this station in Florida started playing this song And it's exploding Right It's like Selling 10,000 records a week At this point In a very small area Yeah, yeah yeah. And it's number one in phones And it's all this stuff And he goes And you guys have a hit So it wasn't like We all sat down And drew up this plan Of how to have it happen Of course It kind of happened Right Um, And at the end of the day It's a song I wrote Touched a lot of people Some illegally Uh, No, but uh, some Uh
6: and it's and Catholic priest of hits And oh, it's a God. good <laughs> it, Terrible quote
3: And it's a good thing You know what I mean At the end well, of the day of it's, it, it, it's a good thing and, and I've been able to live my life To this point Making music And doing You know I don't have a day job And being right. creative And dealing You know Getting a jam with Dave And all these different You know yeah. And uh, worked with tons of bands On our label Like Nonpoint, Skindred Carnival Sick from the UK And uh, I'm as lucky as you get and,
6: Right Are you doing something With Jeff Scott Soto I think yeah. that's awesome. What What is that?
3: Jeff and I have been doing these kind of a—I uh, hate calling it storytellers because it's really Jeff and I trying to make each other laugh. And oh, by the way, there's a crowd, and we might do a song or two if we're not making obscure jokes. <laughs> Show.
9: Yes. Okay. Um, we've we known each do, other. We do that pretty well. Right.
3: Yeah. We've we've known each other forever, yeah. so it's been a
9: real—I
3: mean, it's such a goof to go. Hey, do you feel like going to L, You know, in L. Let's go to L.A. Let's go to Chicago. And strange enough, the show's been selling out, and people have been really digging it, and it's been the most fun ever. Uh, and uh, so we've been doing a bunch of those shows as well.
6: Uh, you, you coming towards Minneapolis at all by chance? Or? We
3: hope to. I mean, we're going to Denver I mean, next. I,
6: week. I know I can probably find this out on the internet, but no. no I mean,
3: I, I need to pay attention. We, we've done a few of them so far, and they've kind of taken us by surprise—not um, stadium surprise, but like people have flipped out. They've sold out. Yeah, okay. It's great so we're going to expand it but he's doing the Trans-Siberian Orchestra yeah okay come the fall or whatever yeah that whole season and then I know he's got some stuff with Sons of Apollo which is Mike Portnoy Billy Sheehan and Bumblefoot but Bumblefoot him and myself have talked about doing it more towards spring and doing a more robust version of it. we did some with Bumblefoot as well and it's just been the most nonsensical you know fun I, I, I think I've ever had
6: no, I follow you on social media. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I just have one request. Can you can you lighten up a little bit? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I decided a long time ago, It's seems like we're going to go in a song, Children Are the Future. Now, yeah. uh, but I decided a long time ago that nothing I post on social media is going to be of any worth or value other than making myself laugh and confusing people. Yeah. So there's people who know me who get... And then there's the people who don't know me who, like, everything I post is, like, a serious... Like, thing. I don't
6: see how anybody can take them serious.
3: I've gotten some amazing things that we should share with you about, okay. like, I posted one, uh, this kid who does my art creates these uh, meme like, gifts or whatever, like, of me on different yeah. situations. So he did one of, like, me as George Costanza from the Art of Seduction yeah. from the Seinfeld. You know, he's wearing, like, the boxer shorts and he's on the... And he did a really good job of it. So, like, this girl started texting me, like, I'm so proud of you not being fat shamed and being proud of your body and... <laughs> And being able to do that kind of pose. And I'm like, this is fantastic. This is the whole reason the internet was invented. Yes, exactly.
6: I have to agree. I think that's much funner than a lot of the other stuff out there. Like the, when the people just get it wrong. No.
3: Yeah. I, I've gotten this really bad habit lately, especially with my humor, is that when I'm making a joke that no one else gets, that's my favorite thing. Like when everyone's confused and has no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about, I've become addicted to that awkward silence. even in the live show like I'm happy when people laugh and they do fortunately but when it gets so obscure that no one knows what I'm tired you get that like weird silence like you guys ever listen to Andrew Dice Clay the Rick Rubin one where he's in like those little clubs just going nuts that's my like oh my god the guy has just lost the entire plot and it's so on the edge of like he literally doesn't know what he's talking about or where it's going to go right on that's my life philosophy awkward silence. embrace the awkward silence and it's worked out great for Andrew Dice Clay in terms of career yeah. So,
6: I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certainly has uh, do you have anything else you want to promote though, before we let you go here
3: just my love for you okay, and your questions right yeah. I'm, I've done interviews my whole life and I've never felt as prodded <laughs> uh, as thoroughly prodded well, that, excellent that's that, that's. yeah happy. I feel very proud oh, I, too I, right yeah. I, I've, I've definitely you've touched me in spaces I haven't been touched
8: the good thing is, we only asked uh, eight of the ten questions you already get. Okay, you always good, get good. every time, right? Good. Thanks so much for taking the time, yeah, guys.
3: No, I appreciate it. Good to meet you, Jason. Life is like bathing with electric eels,
1: a thousand people kisses there on the air. Find the bodies in the old land field, the sails is there to guide you. Life is like strolling through a lion's den, a momentary swiping on the air.
6: Up with coffee because I had uh, Charlie Bonante on the show, and my sure. first question for him was Who has better coffee, you or David Ellison? So, Mike, that's my question for you. Who has better coffee, David Ellison or Charlie Bonante?
10: Well, I'm convinced there is no better. There's just personal preference. <laughs> you guys Anthrax are or Megadeth? I don't know. Which one do you like? I think we're both probably top of the heap as far as quality and. Performance—it's just a matter of which one do you like. Do you go to the uh, A bin or the M bin in the record store?
6: Well, see, I've listened to everything that uh, Anthrax and uh, Megadeth has had. I've only had your coffee. I haven't had his, so I—I okay. I need your expert opinion, though. I mean, you're a coffee. Maker. Well, since you've had
10: mine and not his, then I guess mine so far is the best. Yes. So I
6: should—I I should
10: not even try his once. So, you know, if I even get. No, you should, you should definitely try. <laughs> his. You should definitely try his. Yeah. No, he—he's got—he's got good coffee. In fact, when I opened uh, the store back in Jackson, Minnesota, he hit me up about. Um, Hey, give me in your store. Let me put my coffee in. And that was our initial aim with that was to try to, you know, expand that Mm -hmm. out. It's a small little community, so we needed to kind of keep things localized. So we ended up doing a Jackson House blend uh, under my name, but all the blends and all the coffee we have there are (coughs) awesome coffees.
6: Okay. Uh, Do you like for what you're brewing at home? uh, Is is there like a process you like to go through? Do you prefer beans? Uh, To grind your own? or Well,
10: yeah, I always prefer beans myself because they last longer. Um, Don't put them in the freezer. That's an old myth that does not work. Is the fridge okay or not? Uh, Well, you know, just regular room temperatures. I mean, think about where they grow. Okay. They don't grow in the refrigerator. (laughs) Right? Or In a a cold climate, they grow in usually a warm tropical climate. So it's okay to have them outside. Uh, The main thing, of course, try to keep them dry more than anything. So anyway, just in a bag or in a container. Um, for me, I, you know, on the road, I just got a great, uh, French press and it's a really, it's a brand new one. I don't even know, um, the lady who cuts my hair got it for me as a gift and I've been using it on tour and it's great. It's, it, it doesn't get all the extra little coffee sediment, you know, that comes into the coffee, which often happens from a French press. Mm-hmm. Um, so that to me is probably my favorite, uh, really authentic method of, of coffee um, at home I usually use drip coffee you know mm-hmm. not a mr. coffee but that type of stuff. Yeah. you know um, and it's funny because in America you know as you travel the world you really start to see um, the origins of coffee how people prefer it usually when you leave America for the most part it's espressos you know the true Italian thing is you drink the uh, espresso shots cappuccinos and milk milk added coffees only in the morning never in the afternoon um, and often, you know, they'll eat a meal and they'll just, you know, like, you know have a little right. shot after after a meal to sort of pick them up and make sure they don't, like, fade after eating, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of, you know, a good tip. It's, so it's interesting how coffee is like that. But, you know, in Canada, um, Canada, certainly the U.S., and, and Japan, because Japan kind of tends to trend after us, uh, at least with coffee, um, it's mostly the Mr. Coffee, yeah. you, know, dri- you know, drip Filter type of coffee, so um, we all have brought something, to, I guess, unique to the table with that, and that's that's America's contribution to coffee. Sure. Uh, well, how many cups a day do you drink? <laughs> you know, I um, usually two. I have one in the morning when I when I get up, and then I have one in the afternoon, like three four o'clock ish, something mm-hmm. like that, and then then that's it. I'm done.
6: You mentioned Jackson, Minnesota. I was actually uh, not too far for. I don't. Know, I forgot to tell you. I live in Minnesota. Born oh. and raised. Um, so it's a big deal. Any time we get to talk to uh, sure. Dave Ellison. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I was actually kind of down in your neck of the woods. Not in an area I'm from. I live in the Twin Cities. I'm from like Owatonna, if you know where that yep, is. I do. Um, but uh, I went to see one of your label. Uh, Signees, the Ron Keel Band, at Redwood oh, yeah. Falls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's not quite to your place, but you, I think Jackson's closer to Iowa. But
10: Yeah, like we were just there la- literally last week. We were uh, we finished our uh, first run of Bass Story, we did like a month of Bass Story um, shows around the More Life with Death book and mm-hmm. the Sleeping Giants album that's out now. Um, and we finished in St. Paul with the Turf Club, and then we snuck down to Mankato and... Played our favorite little spot there, the What's Up Lounge. Yeah. and uh, and But we didn't go any farther. You though. go to Metlers? <coughs> I did not go to Metlers. No. <laughs> That's a Minnesota joke. <laughs> <That is. laughs> uh, but we did go in to see there Actually, these guys, I got the t shirt on 95 okay. Rock. We went over to see them yeah. and then Kiddo. But I'm about, like, if you went. And it's further kind of southwest, yeah. down off I-90. That's where Jackson
6: is. Right on. Um, oh, well, enough Minnesota talk. Uh, one thing, uh, I, wanted to, I brought up Ron Keel because you, you have quite a, a broad base of bands on your label, EMP Records, uh, mm-hmm. or label group is that what it's called. Yeah. Um, but you also have kind of been a, a, like a, a lot of uh, bands that kind of made their stake in the 80s. It, it reminded me a little bit of the movie The Decline of the Western Civilization mm-hmm. where it was like all these kind of like uh, Sunset Strip bands <laughs> and Megadeth.
10: Right, yeah, right. I mean, it, it, well, you know, it, it, we well, we start, was we, right as we were sitting down, we were talking about Dollskin, which is a young all-female group that I saw play their very first show in my son's high school. Uh, the drummer was a senior, I think, that year. Okay. And she was in the band, and he decided to play at this talent show. And I thought they were just fantastic, so I stayed in touch with them the next year or two. Finally took them in the studio, produced an EP that we put out through um, a distribution deal through Megaforce Records. And that kind of came by... Way of when me and Frank Bello put out our first altitudes and attitudes happy okay. Missy uh, over at uh, Megaforce had kindly offered us a sort of a channel to, into her distribution uh, if we wanted to bring in kind of imprint in other other things. and I'm you know pretty uh, f- progressive with that. I look for bands I things come to me mm-hmm. and produce. Um, so we initially started there when I met my partner Tom Hazart, um, who dreams up a lot of these crazy ideas, well, I'm not in my day, full daytime yeah. job as being a bass player and a rock star and yeah. that side over there. Yeah. You know, I call Tom. We talk several times a day, and he calls up and goes, Oh, my God, we got... How about, we, you know, let's start a, let's start a label. So we, we did. Um, we, we turned that Dalskin EP into an LP mm-hmm. called In Your Face again because the EP was In Your Face. Um, and then we put that out. That was the first one. And so initially I thought the label would be a cool way for me, like when I produce things, to have an outlet to put out my own productions because um, as soon as you produce something, unless you're hired by a label to produce it for them, uh, when you do sort of spec things like I tend to do, I get passionate about something, I take it mm-hmm. to the studio, I produce it. You know, you then come out of the studio and you're very attached to this and you've put your creative work into it. Now you have to walk around the record business and with your tin cup and hat and yeah. hand, you beg people for a record deal. And you, what I realize is everybody, I've done that a few times, and enough times to know that everybody's got their own band or project or artist that they're in, in all enthralled in. And so I was like, you know, I hate this. I, it, it, it's, it's like the, as soon as you come out of the studio, the train has run out of track and, you know, your enthusiasm dies and it, and it, it, it sucks. So I, by starting EMP Label Group, which is an acronym for Ellison Music Productions, um, I wanted it to be very broad. I didn't want it to be just a metal label. Sure. Um, and even though Tom sort of positioned it a little bit like Victory Records, having its own brand, our own merchandise, and and, and that stuff, um, I wanted it to be very broad. And and so as Tom, and you know. I would yeah, here he comes. And as as we would talk about it, um, you know, suddenly, you know, every day he'd call me and say, "Hey, I got this, uh, you know, another another group that I think would be." You know, we should put out through the label, and, mm-hmm. and it started kind of initially with metal stuff, and then it, yeah, then it turned into Mark Slaughter and to Ron Keel, and and um, can I can I ask how Flip got in the picture? They're kind of a local band that I got into a lot. Um, you know, talk talking him.
0: I've known Brendan for a long time, and we're just kind of buddies, and you know, me and him worked on some stuff with TKO from Seattle and some other stuff, and you know, Brendan just hit me up one day and said, "Hey, you want to do a." Flip, greatest hits. I'm like, sure, what the hell? You yeah. know, I love the band. I'm from the Midwest. Okay. No, we're both, he's from Minnesota. I'm yeah. from Wisconsin. So it's kind oh. of like our wheelhouse. <laughs> uh, better, right in our wheelhouse the Midwest and Minneapolis. Yeah. That explains the wardrobe. But yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> a like cheap shot. Well, like where, where are you from? Yeah. That get up.
10: Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota. Twin cities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. Right. Uh, the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Switzerland down the middle here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, just the I'm just side. kidding. I'm just
0: kidding. Yeah, but anyways, yeah, so that's how Flip kind of just, you know, through being friends with Brand and and, and <coughs> him just going, hey, let's do a Flip Greatest Hits. I'm like – you guys have hits? <laughs> it's actually called The Best of the Worst of Flip, which yeah. I love.
10: I will say this. You know, last week we had a really great, um, what was it, Sunday when we were at Grilla Yeah. Awesome. So a great, terrific heavy metal hamburger joint out mm-hmm. in uh, East uh, L.A., a town called Ham- uh, Alhambra. Alhambra. Um, where i very well known. In fact, Abattoirs from there, a lot of the... Um, uh, Armored Saint was there? kind of out east like that, so there was kind of two factions of, of metal when I got to LA in uh, '83. Uh, there was the Sunset Strip stuff, which of course was Quiet Riot, Motley Crue, Rat, mm-hmm. um, and made famous once Van Halen had moved in from Pasadena into the Sunset Strip. They kind of kicked that off as far as '80s rock stuff because '70s, '80s rock. But <clears throat> you know, we were at this hamburger joint, Grill Mall, the other day, which is a terrific heavy metal uh, hamburger bar. And it really hit me how uh, it just reminded me again of the sort of divided faction where our genre of thrash metal did not find our home on the Sunset Strip at all. In fact, when I met Dave, uh, I'd moved to LA and within a week I'd met Mustaine and First thing he said, he goes, when we debut Megadeth, we are not going to debut uh, here in L.A. We're going to go up to San Francisco, where he, of course, had fame with with Metallica. But they'd kicked around enough, a couple shows in L.A. to know that L.A. was, that was not going to support our mm-hmm. cause of, of, of our music. So it was so cool to be out there. Because uh, I bring this up because you mentioned the, the decline of Western civilization, yeah, yeah. which was basically all, you know, Gazaris club, gone. Um you know, the rainbow is is a, a shell of what it used to be. It's basically a monument almost to the to the old days, the glory days of it. You know, we were having dinner there and by eleven thirty the frickin' dining and room was a empty. On Friday. On a Friday night. I mean, usually in the days past Friday night, eleven thirty, that's when it's just getting going. Yeah. That's when all the hottest girls and David Lee Roth and Slash and Steve Vai and you know everybody was there and everybody's going to the bathroom to, you know. <laughs> Do whatever mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know that was just what it was. And it's and it's funny because Tom, even when he got there in the late nineties, you know, I think for you, you went there to go have dinner and do talk business. Yeah, we went there to, you know, forget about business and like get down to business. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so. by, by the time I got there, there was none
0: of. By the time I got there, there was none. I missed the eighties. I moved there actually, kind of. Uh, I, you know, kind of in the the first time in the kind of mid like '94, then I was there for a year or two, and then I went back home. So it kind of took me a couple couple tries to get up there to stay, you know. And but I missed all the debauchery by like four years, you know. So yeah. but it was cool. I got to be a part of you know the next wave of <coughs> Power Man Five Thousands mm-hmm. and Corn and Human Waste Project. and... You know, all those bands that kind of came up, had P.E., that kind of came up out of L.A. So, I mean, it was cool. We had our own little scene, and I got to watch all that. But it wasn't the same. I wanted to be there for that, you know. I I wanted to be there for the decline of Western Civilization. Yeah, me and me both. You know, but we missed it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i was there <laughs> <laughs> he was he was in the movie had
10: yeah. space story <laughs>
9: which,
0: <laughs> which i'm story. sure you guys noticed like literally half of our label now is people from the Deco-
6: yeah, yeah we were talking about just before you walked that's in what tra- that's actually what brought nice. that up yeah transition yeah because uh, yeah, it's very similar to that movie in the sense because yeah. uh, uh well not only in the sense that that was a lot of 80s bands yeah. Yeah. and you guys really stuck out in that movie as far as being the only thrash representative in there um, but your label is much more broad than that, but it's just kind of, you know, yeah. it has been home for a lot of, you know, you Mark Slaughter. Uh, yeah. I, I think I saw Dangerous Toys. As, yeah, as, we
0: did some Dangerous Toys yeah. reissues, and Jason's been a dear friend of mine for a long time. And, and we actually did reissue some of the Odin records. <laughs> and, you know, my previous label, I put out some records for Lizzie Gray, you know, Rest in Peace is a, a dear friend of mine. that just <laughs> passed away this week from London, and, and I put out some records with his Spiders and Snakes band. So it's funny, but The Decline too is such a pivotal defining moment in my life just as a fan coming up and coming Mm -hmm. into business. That's funny. It's like now it just, you know, I've noticed like our label, a lot of things just sort of pivot around that, you
6: know. (laughs) Well, growing up in a small southern Minnesota town, watching that movie was... Like it was, it was like you know, boner and raging. It's like, I have to do that. That's <laughs> well, my, yeah. Life.
0: I grew up in yeah. Green Bay doing the same thing. Like, I have to do that. You yeah. know, that and Molly Crew and our new book. I literally talk about watching that and Molly Crue uncensored and going, That's why I moved to LA. Mm-hmm. Literally, was those two things and the doors are the things that made me
6: move to LA. <laughs> yeah. Dave, uh, before we I forget, I, I would be remiss to ask how any update on without breaking HIPAA laws, how
10: is uh, the Mr. Huh. Mustaine doing? You know, um. I think he's, you know, he's going through his treatments right mm-hmm. now. You know, we've um, we put out a calendar with our polo organization about a week, a week and a half ago, and and I'd spoken to Dave about about a week ago when we were out <coughs> wrapping up our uh, tour and everything. And and um, you know, he sounded in good spirits and just going through it. And um, but you know, the nature of what it is, there's, you know, it's it's a it's a kind of a, a daunting time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, so, you know, definitely appreciate all thoughts and prayers to him. I mean, we're we're in our best optimistic view that, you know, we'll go through this. He'll go through it, and, and um, we'll be up and running again. But, you know, until that happens, um, you know, we got the cruise, which we kept that in place. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we just added Lamb of God to that. Cool. Um, you know, I don't think there's a better heavy metal cruise sailing the high seas than that one, quite honestly. Fair um, enough. So that's going on. But, yeah, so, you know, I think, look, it, it's we're just kind of really taking it kind of a day at a time, a week at a time, a month at a time, you know, mm-hmm. you just kind of see how the treatments go and hopefully everything is successful. And um, But until then, we're just kind of walking through it methodically. Okay. Well, uh,
6: all the best to Dave, obviously, yeah. from everybody. Um, and much less serious news, before I heard the announcement about that, you guys, I did hear you guys are working on a record was – were you almost done? Where are you at as far as the progress
10: of that? You know, last year was mostly just we would really cleaned all the vaults out by the by the time we did Dystopia. I mean, okay. there wasn't one single riff or note laying around <laughs> anywhere. So you know, we when we when we finished up um, the pretty much the world tour of Dystopia back in late about November 2017. You know, we, we really just shut down for most all of 2018 to write. And that was really everybody bringing ideas to the table. The okay. first time that Kiko was involved writing. Um, obviously, Dave and I have been through this process a gazillion times, um, and certainly bringing Dirk in. Um, and he's written some really cool stuff for the album. And then, you know, when we got together back in May, I mean, keep in mind, and this seems like a long, distant memory now, but there was supposed to be an Ozzy Megadeth tour this summer. Yeah. Which, yeah. you know, that, again, that even to me sounds like... Ozzy had to go to the bathroom. Sounds like that was years ago, own. but yeah, once that... <laughs> I mean, that was the first thing that kind of got kicked off the plate, which was, you know, was... was um, immediately launched us into let's get to Nashville and start working on the record immediately. Yeah, okay. And then, of course, right at that time, <clears throat> they've got the news about the... About his cancer, so it was kind of like you know one just you know kind of a one-two punch right there. But during that process, we continued to work on stuff. So um, there, I mean, there, there's still work that needs to be done. We have not started recording it, um, okay? But we, we we're writing it. We're doing a ton of pre-production on it, and it's um, you know taking our time. Dave doesn't seem to really be in a hurry with it. I mean, he seems to be kind of wanting to take his time and listen to it and sit back and listen to it, and and I think that gave. Um, it, it gave us a chance for everybody to be involved in in some of the decisions with it, you know, not just saying, "Hey, you know, we got to get a record done. This is it. Turn it in." It's like, no, let's really be let's really be discerning and critical. I mean, Tom and I even talk about it all the time. I mean, this is this is this one's every record's important. Yeah. Um, but I think you know now, given the sort of obstacles in the way, um, I think it's it also gives a little bit of uh, human introspective to okay. maybe even lyrically. You know, some different things happen when you know you can't write a record if you don't have anything to say. Right. And suddenly, you know, sometimes coming off big successful records is not the time to be writing a record um, because you need to live some life experiences that give you something to write. You know, um, and when you've just been sort of you know <clears throat> traipsing around Valhalla, you know, uh, you know in your in your victory lap, sometimes you need to step back away from that a bit and have some life experiences to give you something to write about. So. You know, um this could be an interesting season of things to actually have lyrics for as well
6: cool, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to mm-hmm. it. uh, they're asking me to wrap it up, so Dave, uh, Tom, I appreciate your time you. um let's see if you want to get real quick, we should mention Sleeping Giants is out now. uh we got yeah. Tom on lead vocals at least on one song or oh no a
10: a couple b- yeah, a three a few three I haven't had
6: a chance to check it out yet I Yeah,
0: no, there's three new songs, uh one is all me." One is me and, and uh, that's Vultures, which we actually, Max Norman just did a remix of that's coming out in a couple weeks. It's awesome. Cool. And then uh, Sleeping Giants is me and DMC from Run DMC, which we're actually, we just finished a video we're going to drop for that next week. And then Hammer Comes Down is me and Eric AK from Flotsam. And that one's got Mark Tremonti on it and Chris Poland and Dave McLean and Half of the Sacred Reich. And uh, yeah, and then uh, <laughs> our friend Christian Nairn, uh, Hodor Hudor from Game of Thrones, did a remix of Vultures that's wow. on there. Yeah, and then the rest is a bunch of cool... David had some songwriting demos with John Bush and David Glenn Isley. We put those on there, and then a, a handful of F5 demos. It's a really cool kind of retrospective of David's body of work outside of Megadeth. You know, there's been so much, and it doesn't get acknowledged that much. Or, you know, it's always kind of been framed around Megadeth, and that was kind of what was cool about this was, you know, putting the spotlight on the, all the stuff. David's, you know, been a really prolific songwriter outside of Megadeth, you know, so it was cool to kind of take some of that stuff and put a put a light on it, you know, and that's sort of what Sleeping Giants was.
10: Right on.
6: Well, uh, Tom, it's actually good to meet you. We've kind of had some close calls over the last couple of years as far as trying to arrange something, so it's a pleasure to yeah. finally put a face there. Good to be here. You. And, of course, Dave Ellison, uh, fellow Minnesotan and uh, member of the Big 4 mm. Uh, bass player Megadeth and uh, an idol, and icon. Just uh, what a what a pleasure! Thank you for your time. Thank you. <laughs>
2: This is blank. And you're listening to Cobras and Fire podcast. And rock is not dead. It's hiding right behind you. Don't turn
8: around.
5: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.